and welcome to the last in our PropTech Summer Special Series on Dublin South FM in association with PropTech Ireland. You can contact us on Twitter at iPropertyRadio or by email at hello at iPropertyRadio.com. Your host for today is myself, Carol Tallon, and today we'll be joined by Colin Stokes, investor in and advisor to Ask Porter. But he does an awful lot more than that besides. So, Colin, thank you so much for being with us today. Absolute pleasure. Um, so, Colin, first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself. You've been involved in the property industry for a long time. Too, too many years, perhaps. Yeah, 20, 20 plus years. So um, originally, after um, finding a career, I guess, in property, um, I ended up in the property management side of things, first in lettings and, and individual property portfolio management, and then in block management, where I would be responsible for uh, large apartment complexes, sometimes upwards of 200, 300 flats uh, in central London. Um, and then uh, from there, um, when I met my partner, uh, who was also in the property industry, originally from Ireland, uh, working for a couple of blue chip companies there, um, we set up uh, a company specifically to help the property industry deal with emergency out of hours calls. So we set up a company called Adiuvo, uh, which is from the Latin to help or assist. And the idea was, as this was probably about 13 years ago. So at that time, most property companies' kind of idea of an out of hour service was to put one of their property managers, like me, like my partner, on call. It was the time before smartphones. So you had a brick of a mobile phone in one pocket, you had a spreadsheet folded up in another pocket, and people would call you all manner of times during your week on call. And you'd probably be at Tesco's or you'd be picking the kids up from school or their after school clubs. And it wouldn't be a very professional service. It would be just like, hopefully, they might not even get through to you because of a mobile phone signal. Yeah. So we set we we set tried to set up um, a service that was professional, office based, and we started with um, one of our employers at the time. Um, so I I left. We went to our employer and said, you know, we think this is a good idea, um, and they either agreed or probably saw an easy way to get rid of me. Um, and they said, yes, you can have ours. So we started with a couple of thousand units from my ex employer. And then slowly but surely um, began to build. Um, around this time, we actually moved back to Ireland with my partner, who is originally from Cork, um, and we set the company up here um, okay, initially. Why, why was the decision when you were both working and experienced in the UK market? Um, because I, I'm thinking 13 years ago was around about the the start of the crash as well. You know what? What made you think that Ireland would be the right base for this? I'm going to be honest, it was a short-term kind of um, view of it because um, Gillian, my partner, um, knew of two people that had actually just been made redundant and we needed two staff and we were very inexperienced about that side of running a business. We knew how to do the property side. Um, and because we knew these two people and we needed two staff, it was almost like, well, actually, we won't have to do the interviewing. Uh, I've worked with these people before. Uh, they're willing and available. So we thought about it originally as a short-term kind of uh, response and situ uh, and solution to to starting up and then it kind of just over 13 years kind of snowballed slightly from there we started off with a with an office kind of on our land um in a kind of like outhouse and then moved to another office and then took another floor and slowly but surely we've kind of become the main specialized out of hour service in the UK um, and, and currently we're responsible out of hours for 600,000 properties in the UK every evening and all weekend. 600,000? That's correct. That's huge and do you know what I'm really surprised by is that despite being in the industry for a decade and a half I wasn't aware of you <laughs> operating down in Charleville 
uh, <laughs> doing this massive service into the UK marketplace. And it's amazing. Do you know, they're, they're, you know sometimes I found as I uh, working nationwide and particularly over the last four weeks, we've been traveling. Uh, a lot of it has been along the Wild Atlantic Way, selfishly, of <laughs> course, uh, meeting innovators. But it's, it's really interesting to see what's happening in pockets of Ireland outside of the main urban centers. It, it's actually fascinating. We definitely don't have a good handle on everything that's happening in the Irish market, particularly for those who are selling outside of Ireland. And I think you're a perfect example of that. Um, so, Colin, just because what you're describing in terms of the out-of-hours uh, office, um, the service that maybe you were offering with your previous employer, uh, it sounds very indicative or reflective of the times you were in. In fact, it was probably... Um, that's probably a more comprehensive type of offering than at the time would have been offered through a lot of Irish letting agents. It would have been a similar situation. There would have been one mobile number for somebody who was on call and it might not, might not always have been reliable. Um, how has that changed over the past over the past kind of almost decade and a half? Um, when we first launched, it was actually quite a lot of people that said, oh, I don't think you need it. And, and you know, I can't pretend to be a soothsayer, but I think the world changed and, and people expect service at three o'clock in the morning just as they expect it at three o'clock in the afternoon. Um, certainly in the UK, the, the attitude there is now that they, need, they needed and they want and need to have something in place. Um, I'm not quite sure if it's quite the same over in Ireland yet. We we seem to find that the attitudes are a little bit different. We do have some Irish clients. Um, maybe the Irish people are a little bit more hardy than some of our southern softy Londoners that need everything done from them. And no, I can you say know, that I am honestly, one. Honestly, Colin, I actually think what you're, what you're picking up on there is that um, in Ireland, we've definitely been laggards in terms of trends. But, you know, what you're describing there isn't a property trend. It's actually a, a consumer trend that is that expectations have changed and unfortunately because the Irish industry uh, particularly the residential industry has been so slow to change and adapt quite frankly the standards are low so we haven't had one leader set the bar so high that others had to race to to keep up that just hasn't been the situation so in fact you know we seem to have we seem to exempt property from the expectations that consumers have for every other area of their life. You know, for some reason, uh, property consumers, um, not so much for the rental, but certainly kind of on the on the buying and selling side, they seem to think that it's such an infrequent purchase that it's okay, that it's cumbersome and paper driven and not as efficient and not as transparent as what we've come to expect from our banking and our online shopping and everything else. So, you know, honestly, I don't think it's that um, Irish people are less demanding. I think that the marketplace has given no, uh, there isn't a market for them to be more discerning. But I do, I hope that's changing. I feel like it's changing over the last number of years. And I think that COVID-19 is going to be a huge driver of this. But um, honestly, I think what you're identifying there has been a real block, a stumbling block um, to tech adoption. And there's a mentality change that really needs to happen across the industry. So I hope that if we were having this conversation in two years time, this wouldn't it wouldn't be the same conversation. Am I unrealistic? Yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> I definitely agree that attitudes are, are, are different over here and, and it hasn't been an adopter at all of tech, as you say, maybe forced upon it in the last few months where they had to do, you know, something to cut to to combat the, the circumstances that we find ourselves in. Um, I do hope they'll pick up. I mean, we, we see it as a possible new um a ground for us. I mean, we've just actually launched as far afield as the US and we're, we're, we're selling to more people over there from here than we are to Ireland at the moment because I think, yeah, there is that. I don't know whether it's a wariness of, of technology or they're just not there's not the awareness perhaps of what can be done and it does seem a little bit more disconnected over here whereas in the UK and certainly when I spent early part of this year before lockdown over in the US doing some bits and pieces over there and research for there. It just seems to be a little bit more fractured here and people don't share kind of best practice and best ideas. Whereas I'm used to a background where, you know, you get 20 people from uh, 20 different companies in a room or an event and they'll all be happily talking to each other and sharing ideas. That doesn't seem to happen over here.
Yeah, do you know what? Uh, you're absolutely right. You've pinpointed something really important. And uh, actually about two, actually three years ago now, we, we actually started this Agile Agent programme to guide uh, 12 different estate agencies all around the country um, through the process of digital transformation. But part of that was so that we could actually have a, a template and create a template of best practice. Um, and it's it's a slow process, you know, and certainly there's been points of resistance. But one of the things and we've discussed it frequently on the show, one of the issues at the moment is that, um, you know, uh, so many agencies were just under such pressure, they barely, they really barely survived the last crash. And when it came time for recovery, the recovery didn't look like people expected it or people in the industry expected it to look like. So even as activity increased and sales transactions increased, um, it became overly burdensome in terms of uh, or cumbersome in terms of regulations. Uh, clients and customer expectations changed. Suddenly there was this need to invest in technology. And what we found was that, you know, the margins weren't there. We, you know, a state agency in Ireland has become such a low margin business. Whereas if you're buying, if you're selling into the US, you'll know that it's, um, you know, the, the multiples are at least three to four times what they are in Ireland. That's a huge difference. You know, suddenly you actually have, you know, agencies have the cash flow to um, to invest in being better, to invest in technology, to invest in these things. Um, but in, in the UK, we, we can't really use that as an excuse because in the UK, it's a pretty low margin business as well. And there's, they still seem to be better. But what I'm seeing in the UK, and we're probably likely to see in Ireland to a greater extent, is this gap between the guys who are adopting technology and the guys who aren't. That gap is widening. And I'm not sure the guys who haven't adopted um, technology and the ones that haven't made that and have been left behind. You know, I suspected prior to the pandemic that these guys were not going to survive the next crash. And it may be a case that the pandemic is the thing that will widen that gap um, to a point where people just won't be able to bridge it. No, absolutely agree. And I think the savvy kind of agents and managers are the ones that are adopting the tech because although there might be an upfront cost or there might be an upfront sunk cost, at least in time and getting used to and implementing new things, long term, that's what's going to drive the increase in those smaller margins because it's the only way is to work smarter because, you know, the market, you're not suddenly going to turn around the market and turn it into the US version where you can charge three times for marketing up property, you know, percentage-wise than, than we do over here. So you've got to look at working smarter to be able to to increase the, increase the margins. Yeah, look, that's absolutely true. But one of the core messages um, that I try to get out at every available opportunity, and I'm not an estate agent and I never have been, but one of the key messages I'm always trying to put out is to stop this race to the bottom. Stop undercutting in terms of fees. It is so detrimental to to, it's so detrimental to the, the individual businesses, but it's so detrimental to the industry at large as well, because um, when we're pushing the fees down to the point where you can't deliver a good service, where you can't do the things that shouldn't be considered value add-ons, they should be considered standard. So, you know, in much the same way as f uh, photography, good photography should be standard on any uh, property sales. Now, you know, obviously uh, video should be as standard, to be honest, 360 video, whether it's Matterport or virtual reality tours, anything to facilitate remote viewings. These should not be uh, value added extras. You know, these should be included as a core part of the service. And and I think when we come to property management, you know, this out of hours service, it can't be as scant as it was 15 years ago or 13 years ago. It needs to be as good as the service you will get within hours because that's the kind of lives that we lead now. And I, I think that, I, look, I, and I'd love to know your opinion on this, but from what I can see in terms of property managers, they're definitely the people who've embraced technology better. They they tend to have to be more process driven and they tend to be able to see the results. But they also have the benefit of, um, I suppose, a cash flow forecasting that's reliable. And that's, I think that's one of the reasons why property managers were able to invest in technology that maybe sales agents weren't to the same extent. I, I mean, is that something you would see in the UK? Yeah, I mean, I think some sometimes property managers um, 
the other kind of like the the hidden secret of of a property company and you know they're they're not the ones that shouted about and done it but in in harder times they're the ones that get the you know the kind of recurring income every month comes in every quarter whatever so i think yeah that there is a lot it's a lot easier to be able to forecast and and i just think yeah you you hinted at it it's a lot more process driven especially the account side and the service charges and the maintenance side um especially on the plan maintenance side as well so i think there probably is some more scope there for introducing it but i, I think letting agents and sales agents are going to have to do the same thing even if it is only from you know increasing their their profitability yeah. And um, in terms of your call center down in Charleville, how many people have you got? Are, well, are all of your team in Charleville? Okay. So we are split up a little bit, but the core of the people that actually make the decisions on stuff. So we, we have an inbound team that kind of just uh, grabs some, some data capture off people um, and then puts on our system what the problem is. And then the core team that makes decisions whether we instruct, who do we instruct, and then manages those instructions are based here. There's um, there's 35 of us roughly here, uh, and then we have another 20 in the UK, which has only been actually introduced this year, um, either stupidly or or perhaps I don't know. Luckily, we we've uh, we actually took on another 20 people in the midst of COVID. Um, onboarding them remotely was quite a challenge, but that was quite interesting. And the idea is is that as we go forward, we'll, we'll get the actual, keep the expertise here, but remove some of the noise from them kind of answering, you know, multiple incoming calls and have them just, just concentrate on that decision-making process. So, you know, we're always looking to refine our processes and make them better. And then we also have a team of nine people based in Bangalore as well, um, which is um, because we had two people come over and work in our call centre in Ireland for about three years while they were doing their MBA. Um, and then they decided they would obviously be going home. And then instead of losing them, we decided to set up a little office there. So they do some of our administration and they also do some of our call handling um at the wrong time of night for us so they're like kind of 1 a.m to 6 a.m kind of slot which isn't as bad for them as it is for us excellent okay well i definitely want to get into the uk expansion during covid that that actually um that sounds that sounds fascinating but also exceptionally challenging um Look, we'll take a quick break now. I'm joined on the line by Colin Stokes, investor in and advisor to Ask Porter. And we're also discussing his own business. Ad, I, I'm going to try to get the pronunciation right. Is, is it Ad Ubo? Adi, no? we, we say Adi Ubo. People say it many different ways. Adi Ubo. <laughs> okay. Adi Ubo. No, that's great. So, Colin, stay with us. We'll take a quick break. 93.9. Dublin South FM. Welcome back to our PropTech Ireland Property Matters Summer Special on Dublin South FM with myself, Carol Tallon. You can contact us on Twitter at iProperty Radio or email hello at iPropertyRadio.com. We're continuing our discussion with Colin Stokes, investor in and advisor to Ask Porter, and also he's discussing his own business based in Charleville, um, Adi Uvo. And we're going to, just before the break, you were talking, Colin, about your expansion into the UK and um, expanding into the UK while um, obviously having your core team of 35 people here in Ireland. Um, but what I'm surprised there is that you did that during COVID-19. So all of the onboarding had to be done remotely. How did that work? Out? Um, I have to thank uh, one of my associate directors, Vicky, for doing most of that. No, no, on all of that. She made that happen. Um, so we we kind of um, we've been working um, with another call center um, to provide each other with um, some kind of overflow facility, you know, so they did similar things to us for, for social housing. And so and then we utilized some of their office. So um, we took some of their spare office and put a, a bunch of people there. I mean, it sounds great that we took people on during COVID. To be honest, we we had planned it for four or five months because um, you don't just generally take on 21 people on a whim. Um, but um, it was part of our plan to, to try and reduce as I said, noise and from our course, our main contact center here and, and have the people specialize here. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of teams it was a lot of webinars with training recorded what they what the, what that team does is a lot less 
full on than what we do here. And this will always be our kind of core center where we keep all the expert knowledge. So it was a bit easier than maybe it sounds because they're, they're really the initial data capture and, and a bit there. But it certainly had its challenges, or listen to me saying it had its, cha- it had its challenges for Vicky. Um, so he did all of the hard work, but that's the beauty of being the boss of the United Delegates. Well, look, delegation de- delegation is absolutely a skill. And in fact, you know, it's interesting that you almost frame that as a negative because, in fact, that's actually the, the only way. It's one thing that we're consistently speaking to PropTech startups about is that, you know, not having an ability to delegate is actually the, the death knell for any startup um, when it comes to growth. So it's something that founders really struggle with. So, um you you don't need to be flippant or cavalier about that. Actually, there's a huge there's a huge uh, value in that, and it's the kind of thing that you probably need to be in business for nearly a decade to be that comfortable with uh, delegating something so huge. Um, so look, let let's of all just remind anybody who might be just joining us here that um your company in Charleville is actually dealing with the with the uh, out of hours property uh, management or the emergency call out of uh, six hundred thousand. Uh, units across the UK, and you've just um, entered into the US market now. Um, so that's that's a huge thing. So that might explain why you have been so, um, I suppose, quick to get involved in the prop tech sector, and not just um, not just kind of uh, getting involved and buying in technology, but actually stepping up as an advisor and actually an investor. So um, as I mentioned at the top of the show, you are an investor in an advisor to Ask Porter, um, a UK-based startup. So you might just actually, first of all, tell us a little bit about Ask Porter. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just going to preface it with one thing, if you don't mind. We get yeah. try we we see a lot of prop tech um people try and not only sell to us but because we're in the fortunate position that we have 360 odd property companies that are our clients people kind of see us possibly as a shortcut to selling to those 360 clients so a lot of people bring us a lot of stuff so we get to see a lot of prop tech um and the one thing i'll say is and it kind of does fold into why we invested um, in, in our supporter is we see a lot of stuff and a lot of stuff is beautiful tech, but it forgets the prop because people unfortunately come up with solutions sometimes to ideas that don't need solving every day for property managers or certainly not at the price point that they need to do. So we saw so much, we would get everybody selling to us. And then these guys came along, I got introduced by a, um, a mutual friend who said, oh, these guys might be interesting. And they um, they arranged for an online demo and we've done a few of these later. And what we saw was an online demo were basically at that point, a chat bot and it was lovely and it was really responsive and it seemed to work. And I was like, it's really nice. Um, you know, do you want my honest feedback or do you want me to be nice to you? And they said, we want your honest feedback. Um, and I said, it's really nice, but it's nothing different. Um, I've seen four or five of these. Um, you know, I've got ones that seem to do, uh, exactly the same thing. And then they said, the sentence that changed everything for us because what I presumed I was doing was just seeing a beautifully presented chatbot with me asking questions at one end and somebody sitting at the other end and ask, answering the questions. But that wasn't the case. I was actually having a conversation in inverted commas with the AI uh, digital assistant that they had created, which they call Porter. The company, as you said, is called Ask Porter. And at that moment, it was like, Oh, okay. So what you've just shown me is the same as everybody else has shown me, but that needed people. This needed nobody. This was actually an AI that I was in inverted commas again talking to. So at that moment, it was like, well, this is completely different. Um, it was on a scale. You know, this was three years ago, so it really was early. I mean, there, there are a fair few people running around doing stuff with AI, even in, in property now, but at that time, it was just like nothing I'd seen. So that I was like, wow. Um, and that, that was my, I, they say when you make a big, you need, you need that wow moment when you walk into a house and make a big kind of purchase. And that, that was my wow moment for that. And I was like, guys, if you're looking for investment, which I heard that they were, um, then I would very much like to be involved. And 
they uh, we did a deal um we got some for the there and then kindly they asked me to come on as as an advisor as well which means we got a little bit of a little bit more extra of the pie um because they wanted us and our guys to be able to use it and give them feedback and i realized that was a very long answer to your question no not at all actually colin that's Absolutely amazing, because what you're describing there is something that we have seen happening, which is um, when people try to make their early sales, it can fall flat. You know, it's, it's the old adage when it, when it comes to uh, angel investment or investment in. Um, if you want money, ask for help. If you want help, uh, ask for money. <laughs> and that's kind of that's that's really proven to be true. And one of the things we've seen, you know, um, because we don't have a well-established um, we don't have a well-established VC ecosystem here in Ireland uh, in terms of funding. There isn't the high level of transparency that we would like to have. So, in fact, what we've been doing through PropTech Ireland is we've been tracking the private investment, you know, that that's matching state investment. Yeah. We've been private uh, tracking the private investment going into PropTech and um almost all uh, of the investment has come from the industry. So people like yourselves, whether it's on the, the planning, construction or property side of things, it's people who are looking at solutions, seeing how they actually solve problems or will will improve processes in their day to day and for their business. And they are privately investing. So um, essentially, the startups not just get early support, they get early support from people who know this industry. So, um, you know, a lot of PropTech startups, they might be light on domain knowledge. So they're getting that if they get a seasoned industry investor in. But they're also getting testing environments and access to early customers. I mean, this is really the the kind of trifecta of private investment for PropTech startups. So I'm I'm delighted to hear you go through the process of how that happened because, you know, a lot of people just see the end result and maybe try to skip to the end result and they they maybe miss the parts in between. And so I, I'm delighted to hear you talk about that. In fact, it's something that I, I absolutely want you to talk more about. So like in terms of um, your role as an advisor, you know, how have you seen, how have you been able to bring your domain knowledge and also access to the 360 property clients that you have, particularly in the UK? You know, how have you been able to use that and leverage that to benefit um, Ask Porter? Okay, so our job really more than anything else um, and what we've concentrated on is um, teaching the AI. So we with redacted um, kind of information, personal information, and just literally, I think on our system, we have close to like 300, 400,000 individual instances of emergencies. So we exported that with just the, here's the problem, here's what we did, um, and fed it to, to them. So I, th- I think we have a database unlike, you know, most others. So on the maintenance side, we helped create, I guess, you know, hopefully it doesn't turn into Skynet, but we, we helped we helped teach it to become like kind of more aware and, and just learn words and different phraseology because, you know, if you're trying to teach an AI that there's a to, to deal with a leak in a property or, or, or something like that, there are so many different ways that people phrase it. There's the way that we might phrase it and we might possibly call it an ingress um, if we're doing a nice report for our client. Somebody else will call it, you know, um, a a leak. Someone else will say there's water pouring through. Several of our callers might swear profusely whilst trying to (laughs) whilst trying to describe that there's um, yeah, uh, an asterisk, asterisk, asterisk load of water coming through their roof. So um, (laughs) so we, we 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 helped with with a lot of that first of all, and then we started kind of giving um, the guys there a couple of our staff to you know just do real tickets, real bits and pieces with real actual emergencies. And then the culmination earlier this year for a, for a bit was for me fascinating. But we had for the first time ever, I believe, certainly in the UK property market, we had the voice version of of Ask Quarter answer a call. So if you imagine that is somebody ringing in, it was monitored and they could opt out at any point to speak to, in inverted commas, a real person. Um, But we had a conversation happening with a caller ringing in with a real issue who was speaking uh, with 
not a person, not a recording, not a device that records it and then passes it on. But uh, the AI understood what was going on, um, deciphered and worked out what the caller was trying to report, basically then packaged that information up that it was Mrs. Smith from 123 Acacia Avenue who has uh, a toilet that is blocked, and then passed it to an agent who would then pick up the phone and go, Hey, Mrs. Smith, I'm sorry to find, sorry to hear that your toilet is blocked. Uh, let's see what we can do about it. Okay, and how was that received? Well, uh, the person didn't know, apparently. So we did follow up afterwards. Um, it's the real kind of, so um, subsequent to us in the seed round getting involved, and I must, I must say a lot of other good property people, people with, even better pedigree than I and, and a VC fund got in very early as well at the same time as, as I did. But subsequent to that, in their next, in their proper, so we were angels in the kind of seed round, um, Google got involved and decided for the first time ever that Google uh, investments would make um, an investment outside of the US, one particular arm. And they got, so the guys at our sports have got kind of access to, you know, kind of a lot of their speech stuff. So if you've seen the advert from Google GI where your virtual assistant can meet, uh, can make your hair appointment for you without you doing anything, it's that kind of technology. So um, we've only done a couple of trials of it and there's a lot more way to go and it still doesn't understand accents very well and dialects. So Irish is obviously a little bit of a, uh, a challenge for it as well. But I mean, and that's way off yet but that is the absolute future that these guys are aiming for that your inbound team that i referred to um you know some time ago or earlier in the conversation could actually be ai at one point um now we're still concentrating on using it on its in its more basic form but we've helped out with trials like that as well that's uh, well I, I know from working uh, through PropTech Ireland uh, with you know up to kind of 140 startups over the past uh, nearly five years now um, access to access to the kind of database and the information that you're talking about that is so difficult to come by you know particularly what we're seeing for anybody you know there aren't that many um, I suppose deep tech innovators in the AI space here in Ireland. You know, I could probably count the top guys really on on one hand. And one of the one of the issues that they're seeing is um, access to information. Um, the, the quantity of information that's required, you know, is really a challenge. You know, and I've seen that both from the construction and from the property side. Um, sometimes there's an unwillingness or almost like a fear for people, you know, particularly in the age of GDPR, there's a fear of people sharing data, even when assurances are given that, you know, like you were saying, you can redact uh, the information that would make a GDPR um, sensitive and actually feed the, the information in terms of what was the issue, how did you resolve it? You know, access to that kind of information really is gold dust to any to any AI developers. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, look, we have a logistical issue that, that's not going away, which is that Ireland is a small country. So therefore, we're operating on a smaller scale. There is less data. There are fewer transactions. There are fewer projects. Um, and, and you know, that, that's been slightly an impediment. So actually having this Ireland-UK link has been huge. But um, I'm almost afraid to bring it up. But in terms of, you know, what did you have to do anything um, for your business to ensure continuity over the course of uh, Brexit and the transition that has yet to happen? Um, I mean... We're we're obviously we're we're based here, but the 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 exchange rate is going to be an interesting one for us. Um, I, we are trying to be as lean as possible because, frankly, I'm I mean I'm not a I'm not a fan of Brexit. It's not something I voted for, um, and I think it's going to have a double whammy now on the back of what we've had and what we continue to have over the last few months. So we're trying to be as lean and clever as we can um is it possible that we might have to shed jobs i certainly hope not but you know one day in the future we we might you we might need to use such tech as this is to, as to future proof our business for the 35 people that are here as much as you know not adding other staff at some point i mean i'm i'm concerned about the future but at the moment 
you know, we're, we're concerned about getting our offices kind of future-proofed, although we had just done that. And then, of course, now we're not supposed to invite anybody back to them for a while anyway after the kind of uh, announcements last week. Well, actually, that's something else that I want to get to get into um, with you. And I know you're going to you're happy to stay on the line. Um, we need to take a quick break, but we will come back and, and we might just discuss that a little bit further. So, again, I'm joined on the line by Colin Stokes, investor in and advisor to Ask Porter. And we'll take a quick break now. Stay tuned. 93.9 Dublin South FM. Welcome back to our PropTech Ireland Property Matters Summer Special on Dublin South FM with myself, Carol Tallon. You can contact us on Twitter at iProperty radio or email um, hello at iPropertyRadio.com. So we are, of course, uh, continuing our discussion with Colin Stokes. Um, and just before the break, we were talking about um, you know, not just the investment in Ask Porter, but also how, Colin, you were able to leverage um, access for your own business and the 360 property clients that you have across the UK. And I know you've recently um, expanded into the US. So how you were able to bring that into Ask Porter. And it sounds like that was a great symbiotic relationship. And obviously you had the good sense not just to use the service to the benefit of your business and your clients, but actually you also put your money where your mouth is and you invested in the company. Um, so look, what I want to do is really the idea of this series was to really help prop techs that are, you know, perhaps struggling in terms of gaining early traction. And one of the things that we we do with prop techs, you know, they when they're in this early round of um, pitching for early customers, you know, you would be you would be objectively a very large customer then for a prop tech startup. Um, so can you talk to me about when you're getting pitched? Because you mentioned to me that you're getting pitched almost on a weekly basis by PropTech startups or PropTech providers, not just in Ireland, but internationally. So look, can you, can you tell us, even off the top of your head, what really works and what really turns you off when in those early contacts? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we do get soft pitched. I mean, it's not sometimes, you know, knocking on the door and say, can we have money? Do you want to invest? But yeah, they do They do soft pitch at least from the things. I kind of alluded to it, to it earlier. And if I had one bit of advice, I think, for, for any prop tech startup, it was, well, one in the very early part is, is make sure that you're involved with property people and make sure you are actually solving a problem that people have. As I said, I've seen beautiful pieces of software that look incredible and do this one thing amazingly. But I don't need this one thing. And I'm not sure any of my clients need this one thing. Um, so the the... The fact that you've got something that does something brilliantly and beautifully doesn't actually mean you have a business. Um, So at the earliest opportunity, even if it's just with your local agent, if it's on a sales thing or your local property manager or whatever, you need to have a conversation with them. And what you need to do is just give them, in my opinion, some early adopter benefits. So look, go in there and say, look, don't be pitching for money straight away because that's a complete turn off as well. But go in there asking for advice and say, hey, if you can give us maybe, you know, a couple of hours of input or could you use this if you think it might be, you know, useful to you and give us feedback, we will give it to you for free. And do you know what? If you like it and it turns into something because you helped us, you can have the first six months, a year, whatever your product is or your first thousand what you know uses of it for free but without actual reuse in the real world even though it's just a trial your product no matter how beautiful and wonderful it is doesn't mean anything yeah i look i I think you summed it up earlier you know you kind of summed it up perfectly you know you described it as beautiful tech but they forget the prop and you know you need those two components and you know it's interesting um you know back in 2016 i really remarked that it was very much consumer driven uh innovation we were seeing you know these were people who were tenants and were having problems they were people who wanted to buy properties and and experience problems and set about solving them and it's interesting a lot of those have fallen away or gained or failed to gain traction and what we're seeing now the stuff that's rising to the top 
is very much, uh, I won't say the industry led, but people who are coming with really strong domain knowledge. Um, and I think that echoes a trend that we're seeing right across uh, the startup culture, not just in Ireland, but internationally. You know, we've seen the age of founders jump. So now I think the most recent stats are that, you know, successful founders tend to be in their mid 40s. I think that came as a shock to a lot of people. Um, and they tended to have what could be objectively described as unsuccessful startups or businesses under their belt. Um, and I suppose it depends on how you want to look at that. You know, you could see that that's maybe two or three rounds of some very intensive learning, much more than you might learn on an MBA or a, a postgraduate um, business degree. So, you know, I, I, I think that that's something that's interesting. But the domain knowledge is so vital. Um, but I almost have to voice the concern here that, you know, we can't let the industry dictate the innovation because, you know, it's a little bit back to Henry Ford's, you know, if I'd asked the people what they wanted, yeah. they would have said faster horses. And there is an element of that. So there there needs to be a balance. You know, it can't be solely consumer driven, but it also can't be solely investor driven. The problem is that investors are, uh, or sorry, industry driven, but in industry holds a lot of power here because we need the industry not just to contribute in terms of domain knowledge, but also in terms of like the practical day to day, the experiences, the feedback and um, the access to testing environments, which you were just describing there, because actually in a lot of ways, access to testing environments can be much more challenging um, because they tend to lead to early, early customers. Um, but if you're selling into the private sector, you know, it can be a bit of a closed shop here in Ireland. And if you're selling into the public sector, then you're going through a tender process. And I know there's attempts out there to try um, to try simplify the procurement process for innovation. But the reality is that uh, procurement processes in Ireland for innovation, they are wholly incompatible. You know, you have to show experience, you have to show a proven model, you have to show all these things that innovation actually generally doesn't have in the early stages. So that's why I think um, it really is so vital that private industry steps up and supports prop tech in so many different ways. And it might be access to redacted data that will actually feed the systems. Um, it might be access to testing environments or it might just be this this um, getting on board as early users. You know, um, have you I, I know you're very involved in the UK market. You know, have you been pitched regularly by Irish startups or Ireland based startups? No, to be perfectly honest, it's it's near enough mm -hmm. unilateral, near enough being kind of completely um, UK ones. Now, that may be because, as you said, you, I mean, you know, you know, the, the, the scene over here. Um, and yet, you know, you and I weren't really that aware of each other until recently. We do kind of yeah. go under the radar a little bit here with just a couple of like smaller local clients and while things are kind of snowballing in the UK I guess we haven't really reached out that much and so whether it's because of that but I mean we do get pitched literally every week from UK people. Um, well I'm hoping I'm hoping on foot of, of this uh, interview I'm hoping that will change and you know part of me wants to apologize in advance if you get lots of pitches no, but quite frankly I hope that you I do uh, because there's an element of it being a numbers game you know, there, and it's a numbers game from the startup side and from the from the investors. You know, and and look, you're well positioned not just as an investor, but actually as, like I said, a, an early user, an early client. But also in terms of feedback, that feedback is valuable. You know, we talk so much about, um, you know, the this, uh, you know, the concept of getting out of the building. You know, work past your assumptions, test them in the industry really difficult to do that because you rightly pinpointed that actually in Ireland we don't have um we don't really have the mechanisms there for sharing best practice there isn't there isn't the same level of sharing that you might see across certainly other industries um and uh, you know we're we're trying to change that through PropTech Ireland and Property District you know with our agile agent program but you know we're we're doing that with 12 firms every year 
you know, it's going to take a long time for that to filter through. You know, that's that's not a huge number. So, you know, we, we would love for this to be done maybe through the representative bodies for the various different mm. groups, you know, whether it's IPAV or RICS or um, Engineers Ireland or the CIF. You know, we'd love for that conversation to happen at that stage because there's such a huge benefit to the industry and for every firm, every traditional firm then in the industry. But um, I, I suppose, again, because we want to make this so relevant, I'm going to go back to your investment in Ask Porter. And first of all, was that the first uh, was that the first startup that you've invested in that wasn't your own? No, and the one that we did failed miserably. Okay, that's the interesting one. So the one that you invested in previously, yep. um, was, was that in the PropTech yep. space? and it was a brilliant idea, but it was the wrong people to invest in. They didn't have the wherewithal to, to go, and we got carried away with the idea. And in fact, about a year later, a company did pretty much the same thing, and they've made a success of it, or at least on paper, and they're still out there, and they're raising money, and they're, they're doing quite well. So um, the interesting thing is, is uh, I think when you're investing is – one, you just have to realize, and you know, I do like Las Vegas quite a lot, as anyone knows me. So there is a, there is a little bit of gambling involved, definitely. Um, but what we learn is it's just as important as the product is the people that are pushing that product. So again, I said earlier, you might have the tech, but you don't have the prop. You might have the prop tech, but if you don't have that person that can push that prop tech and can walk into rooms and make people set up and listen and you know just have that aura about them then i think that is literally just as important so if you're a prop tech startup and you are the tech guy and you don't perhaps have the ability to command a room or to command people's attention then you need uh you know you need a, a coo or you need a chief commercial officer or cco or something to partner with asap because it's just as important yeah you know and and this is something that um I struggle with because I find it exceptionally frustrating to see amazing founders. You know, like I said, out of the 140 uh, PropTech startups in Ireland over the past uh, almost five years, I would say that, you know, really we're not much over single digits when we talk about the guys involved in, and by the way, I, I'm saying guys, obviously I mean uh, male and female, but uh, the people involved in the founders that actually have deep tech um, uh, expertise you know it, it's really a small number of that and I find that they're generally the ones that get overlooked because they don't have maybe the ability to command a room they're not as good at getting their their message out and to me I don't think it's all about polishing um, the pitch although that is important there has to be an element where when you're you're not B to C you know you're selling into the industry the industry has to be sophisticated enough to see through the pitching um, hyperbole and actually get to the quality service, you know, get to the nugget of what's happening as well. You know, and this is where I think maybe early partnerships can really help, almost like the one that, that you formed with Ask Porter. But, you know, these symbiotic relationships where each party is bringing a strength and a knowledge um, and a different sector of domain knowledge you know, I, I think it's really important, but I want for the industry to be a more sophisticated or discerning, um, to be more sophisticated and discerning when they're receiving those pitches. I want them to see past the polish and get to the good stuff because, you know, like actually one of the things that we've seen in terms of market traction, you know, it's such a fallacy to talk about um, first mover advantage and it's such a fallacy to talk about um, the, being the benefit of, of being first. Quite frankly, being first is a terrible position to be in uh, from what I can see in terms of innovation. You're much better off to be second or third because the people who are there first that do the heavy lifting, they start the education of the industry. They start um, the the early innovation, but actually it's the guys that come in and polish it and package it. They're the guys that get traction. And that can be so frustrating because it's almost the anti-innovation. Yeah. 
And I, it's something that I really struggle to reconcile. No, absolutely. Um, and there's probably just one other thing that comes to mind while you were speaking is you were asking about, you know, you know, what should uh, prop tech people look for in, you know, people there, but, or what should, sorry, investors look in prop tech, but the, the other, the other piece of advice I would give for prop tech people is, is choose your investors very carefully. And I know mm-hmm. at the start, it's so easy just to grab any money that's on the, on the thing. But if I'm a possible investor and you're a pop- possible investor and you actually might not even have as much disposable money to invest, but you have the contacts, then people need to just try and take a beat. And and prop tech companies need to do their due diligence on the investors as much as we try and do on the, on the people, that, you know, and the product itself. Yeah, I, I think that's a really fair point. Um, look, just because I like to get into specifics because I want to be helpful for the startups who are who are dealing with this right now. You know, look, the, the, you invested in one, it failed. <laughs> what did you What did you learn? From oh, it was it was that it was just almost uh, that it was almost equally about the people um, than the product. So you got to have the prop tech first. But if that person doesn't have, and I don't necessarily mean that polished stuff that we were talking about to pitch, but if they don't have that absolute drive to, you know, I, I mean, it's a it's a stereotype, but you know, I did it uh, to work eighty hours a week for the first couple of years. You know, you have to do it. So if you just if they don't have that drive, if they don't need to do whatever it is that they're doing and if they don't believe you know completely in their product you you've got to know that they um that they do that as much of and i think that's the biggest lesson that 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 we took from that from the first time it's just as much about the person that's doing it and can they drive it forward as the actual product Okay, and you mentioned off air that you are quite close and you're in due diligence stage of investing in another startup. And obviously, I won't ask you to name them, but can you maybe tell us something about them that made you think, okay, these are not just, you know, this is not just a product that I would want to use for my business and recommend to my clients, but actually this is where I want to, I want to actually. Yeah. Money I mean, the product is, is pretty close to genius in my, in my uh, opinion, but the guy that came up with it spent years being, so being doing the job almost that he's gonna, I was trying to say without, cause I did sign an NDA. So trying to say as much without saying too much as possible. But the person from the background that did it, he grew up doing this thing. So it, it's to do with, um, it's to do with an associated service and and contractors and engineers. And he was one, and he lived that, and he saw what could be done and a possibility. And then he went out and learned the tech to do it. Um, and so he's actually a little bit different than some people, you know, that have got the tech and got the thing. He kind of learned the tech and got the got this thing built. And um, it was all about. For this one, I mean, it's the idea, but again, it's him. He's got this drive to do it, and he's got this insight into this little kind of niche and this little thing that made him know that this was a thing that is needed. Again, going back to do you have the prop in the prop tech? And I think we just kind of believe in him as someone that will make it work. Okay, Colin, you have been massively generous with your time and sharing this kind of information. I have no doubt that you will get pitched more by our Ireland-based startups. And I, you know, I look forward to hearing your feedback on those. And um, so thank you so much for being with us today. Mm-hmm. That was Colin Stokes, investor in and advisor to Ask Porter, and also um CEO and co-founder of Addy Uvo based down in Charleville. That's it from us today. Thank you for listening in to PropTech Ireland Property Matters Summer Special on Dublin South FM. And as mentioned at the top of the show, this show is actually the last in our PropTech Summer Special series. And so from next week, we will be back to traditional property matters. But of course, we will be giving our PropTech input um, every week, but also our thanks in association to with uh, PropTech Ireland. So over the last number of weeks, we've gotten to meet people who are developing, driving, financing, and, and indeed um, investing in PropTech and construction technology innovation. It's been fascinating. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I've learned a lot, and I hope you have too. 
You can get in touch with the show by emailing hello at iPropertyRadio.com or on Twitter at iPropertyRadio. My thanks to Peter Rice on Sound and show producer Katie Tallon of Hear Me Roar Media. We're back at the same time next week with Property Matters. And for myself, Carol Tallon and all the team here, stay safe.